What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Halftime Snacks podcast. This show features short interviews that you can listen during the halftime of your favorite sports events. Every Tuesday, I host fun conversations with talented people in the sports industry, where we'll learn from their stories, knowledge, and experiences. So go grab your favorite snack and come snack with us. Are you ready? Let's go. I'm excited to introduce a phenomenal physical therapist and coach from Australia for today's episode of the show. She has over 20 years of experience in high-performance sports, working with Olympic and professional athletes from 16 different sports in five countries. She is the founder of Performance State, a consultancy that provides athletes assistance related to performance, rehabilitation, and education. Her mission is to empower athletes with the tools and knowledge needed to achieve the highest and the peakest of their performance. So it's a pleasure to introduce to the show, Dr. Joe Brown. Joe, welcome to the Halftime Snacks. How are you? I am amazing. Thanks so much for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. I mean, you have your own show, but of course, it's different when you jump on different people's shows. So I'm so glad that, you, uh, that you're here with us, with us today. And the way we start Halftime Snacks is uh, through a fun icebreaker, you know, to get you to speak a little bit, to get you to feel comfortable with the audience and with me. Okay. The one I prepared for you is, is the following, okay? If you could only do one exercise type, say swimming, running, strength training, etc., for the rest of your life, which one would you choose? And why? So I do strength training. That's a bit of a no-brainer for me. Obviously, you can modify workouts and get so much out of strength training. Um, you can change the way you do strength training so you can elevate your heart rate and still get a cardiovascular effect as well as having that strength effect. And there's so much research like in terms of supporting strength exercise in terms of health going into older age as well. So, you know, I want to be young and fit for as long as I can be. So strength training for me personally and for everyone out there as well is so much evidence to support it. Is that your favorite type of training or you have like a another different type of like exercise that you're like, oh, that's my type? Well, I love a challenge. So I came from a swimming background, but I've always loved to run. Um, so these days, because I travel so much, running is great because I can be anywhere in the world and put on a pair of running shoes. Um, and I, but I like to balance that with strength training all the time. So given the opportunity in any given week, I'd have a balance of running and strength training. Um, but when I travel, running is my go-to. Okay. Okay. We're going to get a lot into, uh, a lot more into different, you know, reasons why you have all these preferences and stuff. But before that, of course, I want to maybe roll it back and, and jump into your, your background, your past, your story. And maybe ask you a specific question on what time or at what moment in your life did you realize that you wanted to be a physical and, and performance coach? Like, do you remember a specific moment where you're like, ah, this is what I want to do the rest of my life? I always wanted to help people and I always wanted to be involved in sport. And I guess as I went on, aged and went on had more and more experiences I realized where I thrived was in those high performance moments when there was a lot of pressure being that consultancy and being able to handle that pressure and be adaptive in those high performance environments and it's such a different place to perform as a support staff or a coach 
as it is to a you know a less um, you know high quality performance environment. So um, I love those high performance environments, and it's where I thrive. Yeah, but something very interesting that I, uh, that I learned about you is that not only I, like you did a degree on it, you did a master's and then did a PhD. So like you re you're really into it. You know, it's not so common. I mean, people do careers in sports. Maybe they went to study marketing and then they jumped into sports or they were athletes and couldn't make it as, as, as professional athletes. So then maybe became trainers. So like your your background is very, very solid in terms of education on, on sports. Do you find that like uh, unique? Do you find that like that was like just natural for you? That was like you, just you following like you your passion or was that something that throughout throughout time you started to realize like, oh, you're more interested in this and then you started going deeper and deeper and like it was driven more by like curiosity? Um, I think it was driven by this want to just be the best that I could be and make the biggest difference so that's kind of my motto is go where you can make the biggest difference and that's what's probably you know taken me to different countries and different sports is really to have that impact in the biggest possible way and so what I learned is the more skills I had and the more you know kind of tools in terms of my knowledge and skill set in my basket the more I could offer so you know, I can do things massage I can write their performance coaching gym programs I can do acupuncture I could do manual therapy kind of like a chiropractor but I can also do some mindset coaching as well so in terms of what I can bring to a high performance environment is a whole lot more than someone that only has one of those skills very interesting and let's talk maybe a little bit more about what you currently do so if you want to maybe share with us what does a regular week look like for you like how was this week or what are you what are you doing next week like maybe maybe share us a little bit of how a regular week looks like for you it's probably like to get perspective it's probably better to say a regular couple of months because like right now i'm in florida working with some track and field athletes um at a high performance center run by adidas but then two weeks ago i was working for volleyball australia on the world beach volleyball tour And then a couple of months for that, I was working with Jamaican bobsleigh on tour with them, getting them to qualify for the Winter Olympics. So the week differs depending on where I am and who I'm working with. So it can change week to week depending on the environment. And how much of your time or attention, or maybe you can maybe uh, answer that through a percentage, but how much of that a time and attention of your time Uh, of your weeks and your months do you devote to like learning uh new and getting getting like updated on like new um practices or best practices or new methodologies or new technologies or getting like informed like how much of your time do you spend uh learning what's up in the world of performance versus like for, for instance mm -hmm. training or versus like finding new clients doing like the whole marketing thing and selling your services to new and different athletes? I've never really thought about percentages, but I definitely have the philosophy if you're not evolving, you might as well be going backwards. So I think, you know, to be the best at what I do, I have to be evolving and getting better every day, just like my athletes. So I definitely devote time every day to some form of learning, whether that's a podcast, you know, a book, a journal article, an online course, 
whatever I, you know, can do to, you know, really boost my, what I can give to the performance environment. I'm curious if that has like changed that distribution. Like, was that, was that something you always done or were you like, before were you more focused on like the training itself? And then, and then maybe as, as the consultancy developed and you start working with different clients and different sports and different athletes, like you start to understand like, okay, so maybe what I already know is not enough. So you start progressing towards learning more and more or like how exactly like this, this at time and attention distribution changed. This is my question from, from 20 years ago that you started to, to what you do today. I think 20 years ago, it was all very um, focused around like sports physiotherapy and just that kind of physical aspect of the athlete and as it evolved, just physical, right? And as much as my physical therapy mind wanted to believe it was all physical, obviously there was a huge mental component. And I remember a moment sitting in the Australian Open, um, in the men's room at the Australian Open and looking around and, you know, people like Rafa, and Federer and things walking around and then I'm looking at all these other guys in the room and they all look the same physically and when I treat them they're the same body you know not exactly the same but very similar and I, and I was looking at Rafa and Federer and I'm like what is the difference between you know these guys that are that you know the true champions the legends of the sport compared to these guys that are just the top 100 and I sadly came to the quick realization that was mental and Obviously, as so as I've evolved as a coach and a therapist, I have increased my focus on that mental side of performance and my understanding and my capacity to treat the whole athlete. And that's probably more of my mantra now than it ever was. So it hasn't really changed in terms of the time, I don't think. I think it's always a part, been a consistent part of my world that, evolution process and then growing but I, I really think how I look at it is different so now I might read a psychology article I might read a book on coaching and then I might be reading a journal article about shoulder rehabilitation all in the same week yeah and and it's funny that you mentioned it because that's actually the, the next topic that I was that was I was gonna bring up which is like mental health and the whole like mental aspect of performance. Uh, I was reading this other article by uh, a guy named Eric Torenberg, which is just a startup founder, but he has some very interesting thoughts. And he was actually saying how culture has changed and the way we see athletes has also changed. Like before in the past, like in the 90s, we saw like uh, Michael Jordan and, you, and you've seen it through his uh, documentary. Not sure if you saw it, Joe, but uh, The Last Dance by, by Michael Jordan, where he he's like very mentally tough and this like guy that, you know, deals with all like all like kind of like stress and um, and he's always like angry. But that's he turns that anger into like performing and being the best. And like, of course, we all know. Uh, that he was one of the greatest but then uh as as time went by uh nowadays it we have a different culture around that like we've seen athletes uh take a stand for a mental athlete uh, for mental health we've seen athletes leave competitions because they're not ready mentally and so like it seems like it's a it's a cultural shift not only like not only like performance uh, wise, like it's it's different, and that's where I want to like get your take. Is is that in in terms of like what we see and what we think of mental and what 
that it, what impact it, it has in 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 performance like it's different so i wonder if like like how exactly did you see that change where you were always like at the beginning like you saw how like athletes were struggling with this but there was like not really a serious understanding of what was going on and as like time developed and more science and more research came about you start seeing like oh now now it makes sense or like what's your personal experience with like the whole mental side of performance and how how that has influenced your career personally joe like what i'm saying over the years is you don't necessarily need to be mentally tough but you need to know who you are and be have absolute clarity of who you are and what you want and like my experience with like the true high performers you know the world champions of this world is that they have absolute clarity of their why. So they know why they get out of bed in the morning. They know why they train so hard. They know, you know, what it is that drives them, whereas the athletes don't seem to quite make it are the ones that don't have that clarity. But there's so much more now. The space has evolved for people to, you know, if they are struggling, that's okay. And so what I've seen is, these world champions and these world beaters and you know Naomi Osaka is a perfect example where she came out and shared her mental no worries that are struggling now than they were we were you know even two three years ago and so it's given this space for people to really be who they are as athletes And they're always humans first, athletes second. And and how exactly has that influenced you and the way you train other athletes? Has, has that changed your priority list and things that are relevant for you to to go over for to train the, the top performing athletes? Is that something that relative, for instance, to their bodies, do you like see it at the same level of like how important it is for you to work on that and devote a specific amount of hours for it? Or was was it always like something you did, but then like now maybe it's something you take more serious? Like how exactly do you you keep that as a priority, and how how has that changed as well? I I think it's changed for me. So now I'm a whole lot more focused on the treating the whole athlete. And one of the first questions I'll ask is, you know, why do you want to be good at the sport? Why do you want to be the world champion? And then talk about the injury or whatever is stopping them at this moment. But I need to know why they're here because that's going to guide how they're going to progress through any rehabilitation phase. So if someone is struggling with it, it's physically or mentally, if we don't have that connection and that clarity of why they want to be there in the first place, we're going to struggle to you know get them to the end results so it's definitely um an individual thing as well the there's no it's like we don't give rehab programs for people that you know everyone does three times 10 anymore that was a thing you know 20 years ago whereas now everything is individualized and that includes consideration of their mental well-being yeah i'm not sure if you've seen um this hbo documentary called the the weight of gold on how different Olympic athletes just talk about their experiences and how they've struggled with uh, with their experiences. Because if you if you like if you think about it, if you are the best at something, or if you're the best at your specific sport, or you're the best at your specific country doing specific sport, and then you go on like the Olympic level and you're amongst like the best of the best, there's always going to be a hierarchy over there as well, right? There's always someone that's going to outperform the rest and the thing that they talk a lot about is how like 
everyone remembers the first place but no one really remembers second place right like who who ended up uh you know second when usain bolt was uh you know first first place like no one really remembers maybe some maybe you remember because you're reading yeah. the medium but but most people won't so that is that takes like a very important toll on like athletes um so like we've seen it everywhere and we've seen how like this has shifted like the perception not only for like for people playing the sport but also um but also for people out there in the, in the media and like the 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 us the fans uh do you think like maybe is there something else to make uh people fans uh followers of the sport fan fanatics to understand is there something that you would like maybe to to take this opportunity to share like what what people should actually like think in order to like maybe create that impact in society to not only like create a, a more like maybe less toxic environment but have them understand like what our athletes are actually going through is there something that maybe you want to share or any point of view that you think that should be adopted by most of people out there high performance is that moment when they win the olympic medal it's how they live their life for years and years previously so it means all the things that are gonna make their performance the best possible so it's you know it's the sleep it's the what they eat it's the training it's the relationships it's so many factors that lead up to that one moment that people remember but they've chosen a high performance way of life and that's not just for athletes that's you know if you talk to any and i'm sure you understand a lot of the people they're talking about you know elon musk all those kind of people they all live that high performance way of life they've chosen to go above and beyond and do whatever it takes to achieve their goal and make a difference in this world and so i talk to people about high performance being a way of life and it starts with having four pillars of performance and the first one is your purpose and perception so understanding or trying to understand your purpose and what i found is the most highest of performance in the world have clarity over this they have clarity of purpose and clarity of their why and they know how to stay connected to their purpose so that they continue to drive forward even when times get tough And I, I really think that's the, a really big difference between, you know, the people that make it in elite sport or in business and those that don't. But that also needs to be backed up by the other pillars of performance, um, which are, include, yeah, planning and processes. So that's how, how you do things. And then your patterns and practice, so how you execute. And the final one is people. And I think the people one is... A really important one that people forget about you know a lot of high performance a lot of people trying to get to the next level will you know they'll set a goal they'll think they'll have the right purpose they'll make all the right plans and they will struggle to execute and quite often i think that having the inappropriate people influence or choose to influence different people can um really impact on that well that's uh That's a lot of food for thought and really good points and insights, Joe. I appreciate you for sharing that. Um, I'm sure this is this is just maybe just a glimpse or what of what you educate other athletes and 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 what you work on. But yeah. it gives us a very interesting perspective of how how uh, wide and how uh, robust is this whole like model on preparing athletes 
and you know bring the best performance out of their bodies and everything and even their mind so i i start to see like the depth of this and i love it um one of the other sides of uh of uh well performance that i uh i'm very passionate about of course is the whole like technology side um so i, I maybe want to talk a little bit more about like how you've seen uh with throughout your experience like how you've seen technology uh and different types of solutions through technology uh impacting the, the the way people like uh perform but also maybe the way people and, and athletes uh rehabilitate and and come back and recover so maybe you want to share with us uh this this question i was wondering if there was like one or two uh tech trends or uh solutions driven through technology that you were i kind of like eyeing like 10 15 years ago that are currently like taking off or that are currently being widely used and that uh you even use and you recommend and you like you believe like what what were your like uh, your pers your perspectives or like what were some of the, like the, the technologies that you've seen uh throughout in the space of like uh rehabilitation oh wow there's um so many things now that were so expensive when i did my phd you know 10 years ago and now like everyone has them in their clinics and things so um the big thing is always in rehabilitation and even in you know performance mental health um mindset health is having benchmarks so an athlete really needs to know if they're performing and if they're achieving their goals and so sometimes those big goals can be really daunting so it's always that breaking down into like smaller goals or benchmarks and so a lot of the things that we used to try and benchmark were really difficult so like for instance in a rehab process like a strength um measurement was really hard to get something accurate whereas now we have little portable handheld diameters that everyone has in their clinic whereas it only used to be the universities had those um and the other thing is accelerometers were um when i worked with swimming australia were just coming into these waterproof accelerometers so we could basically measure the speed of the arm um in the water and determine relate that to shoulder injury all those kind of things and now that's just you know every every coach has and every physio clinic has those and i think the um other side of it is all the apps and things we have on our mobile phones that you know metronomes we use quite a lot so for timing of exercises um even just the goniometer measuring um angles of someone's joint movement we can all have those on our phones we can do videos and measure you know joint movements on a video and then the other thing that i really love which athletes um and embracing you know everyone's doing it now is obviously um the good quality measurements of like sleep um and obviously sleep is probably the most undervalued recovery tool we have and if you can get true measurement and understanding of someone's sleep practices it can really help recovery and rehabilitation And I maybe want to top also into like some of the technologies or innovations that are happening out there that are, you are excited about. And for that, I have a very like an interesting question that you're going to like. So suppose I'd give you like a million dollars to invest. Uh, maybe a million is not a lot. I'll give you, I give you, I'll give you a hundred million. Okay. To invest or develop in tech, tech solutions for rehab, rehab or performance. Um, so which, which two, one or two, or maybe three, if you want, which two or three uh, innovations or technologies would you 
invest on or would develop or use that capital to to develop for for athletes oh wow that's a big question (laughs) (laughs) um so i travel a lot and i travel a lot with athletes and there's so it's about being mobile with good quality equipment um so to be one thing is being able to measure things when you're away so um there's so many different things that are now coming out on the market you know different types of accelerometers and things like that so for instance when i work with tennis an accelerometer to measure the you know the speed of the arm and all those kind of things and serving can be a valuable tool in a rehab process to see you know how close they are to their normal um so that's um but they're still quite expensive and you know not available um i wouldn't like you know, I would have no idea how you could do this, but if there was some kind of portable device or setup where you could do like 3D um, motion analysis remotely. So like I could have a little kit that I could just set up on a tennis court or a track and, you know, have that there, um, not from a video perspective, but from like a tracking analysis point of view. Um, oh, so many things. And then like the recovery side of things is really important when you're traveling and you're in that performance mode, that true high performance mode. And so many of the recovery tools are still really big and bulky and um, difficult to travel with. So um, yeah, if we could somehow yeah, change the way that the technology is working around. And I think it's going to come more as science develops and understands recovery more. So, you know, we went from everyone having ice baths to contrast baths to, um, you know, normal tech boots, all those kind of things. So um, it'll be interesting to see where the recovery space goes in the next few years, I think. Yeah, and what's exciting about technology is really how that uh, is here to erase and eliminate scarcity on making things you know cheaper uh, smaller more intimate more personal easier to 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 move to carry to take as you're mentioning uh, i think that this is like these are very very valuable insights that you know people out there or people looking for you know even, even like ideas or are in the medium or know about technology can like pick up because you have like first-hand experience and like at the at the highest like levels of performance so like you were basically saying like those are the gaps and what things that I need and I need for athletes uh, in the whole like performance and recovery space. So, uh, you know, it's, it could really open up the doors for different types of innovations and stuff. But I am sure that if not, you know, in the next couple of years, I'm sure in the next decade, there's going to be some some of those things because because you've, you've seen it like it's 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 kind of like exploding at a very exponential rate. And like technology is really here in sports at least like there's much more more in investments and there's much more interest from you know large capital and and big investors to bring in and and develop athletes because they do see like the potential there um you know as, as a bins as a business but also as a way to like really develop the industry and develop the athletes and you know, make make more discoveries like the things that you're mentioning around recovery and, of course, around mental health and everything that are essentially not only going to uh, 
change the life of uh, athletes, but are also going to change the life of, of pe regular people out there. Uh, because I do say that uh, sports is just a mirror of society and whatever sports uses, eventually everyone's going to be using it one way or another. Um, but anyways, that's, that's a different discussion, Joe. Um, <laughs> what is, what is your plan? What is like, what are you, what are you currently working on? Of course, it's very exciting. And, and you, you have this like very dynamic life where you out of a sudden, like you're in Australia, but then like now you're, you're in the States working with different athletes. And maybe next month you're going to be you know, in a different country working with different athletes and different teams. Um, is that like the lifestyle? Is that like your plan? Is that what you want to do? Or you're looking for a specific Uh, type of clients now or like what is what is your perspective on like on like the next one three five and ten years on what you want to be doing and what you want to be achieving yeah great question and thanks for asking it um yeah right now my life is quite um mobile and dynamic and like i mentioned earlier different teams different sports but i really Uh, probably the next opportunity I'm looking for would probably be um, in, you know, a professional team environment, maybe settle down for a little bit, you know, <laughs> contract. Um, I've always had this um, want to work with the NBA. So um, at the moment in the States, I'm trying to connect with um, people working in that environment and the NBA environment and, you know, open to opportunity there. But um You know, there's so much amazing sport in the U.S. And the great thing is, you know, there's a funding to make some of that magic happen. So, um, unfortunately, a lot of the things that make performance happen aren't for free and, you know, do need um, support and services. Like we're talking about some of those technologies and things. And it's really difficult when you're competing against, you know, clubs or countries that do have those um those you know different supports and if you don't have them and you know I've been lucky enough to work the, with the Jamaican track and field team and their bobsleigh team and you know talking about you know lack of resources but you know still making it happen but I always you know when I'm working with them going wow if they had the resources in some of these other nations right. what could they really right. achieve well joe i'm 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 sure that you're going to eventually get uh get get to work with someone at the nba of course if there's and if lebron james if you're listening to this you gotta get joe <laughs> dr joe for you <laughs> I, and i do say it and i do mean it because you do have the skills the knowledge and of course the expertise like you've been saying things that uh probably you can only count with one hand the number of people in the world that know and have the the same experiences or the knowledge as you have so you're pretty unique joe i'm excited to see uh what's coming up for you and your path and your future before we leave i have a last and personal question for you to get to know you a little bit more closely and mm -hmm. the one i have for you is what what gets you excited about about life i love travel so luckily i get to travel a lot i like just new experiences Yeah, you don't know what's around the corner, the person you're going to meet, the, the thing you're going to see, the thing you're going to taste. It's, you know, life's pretty exciting, but I, I love to go on adventure and travel is always an adventure and even more so post-pandemic or during the pandemic. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the subscribe button and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy learning about the business and technology behind sports, 
make sure you subscribe to the Sports Tech Biz newsletter. I'll leave the link in the show notes. See you all next week. Bye-bye.